0: On the wrestling podcast about nothing, we've got a very special guest, one of Brian Malonis' original trainers at the Chaotic Training Center, and a former NWA World Tag Team Champion in his own right, Duke Stoughton is with us. Now you know who to blame. (laughs) I see what you did there. Uh, Also, your promo about nothing is coming up and so much more, but first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show
1: for you with one word.
0: Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's
2: nothing like this one.
1: Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia?
2: This is the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing.
1: Nothing?
0: Nothing. Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, episode 190, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast. Currently on an extended hiatus from the ring, and joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Mat Wars. Now he is a contracted ring a wrestler for the time being. Mr. Inside Edition, one half of the Bouncers, the Brawler Brian Malonis. Hello, I'm back, baby. I'm you are back. back. Thank yeah. goodness. Yeah, good to see you guys. How's the home, your castle? It's very nice. The Kingpin's castle. Yes. What else would I live in? Uh, apparently, yeah. I, I was there this past weekend. You were. You actually showed up. I was there, yeah. Your son is a real person. I thought I thought the first time, like,
3: I met him one other time, and I was like, yeah, he could have, like, persuaded somebody to, <laughs> you know, help him out. But uh, he's real. He exists. He, he came... looks like
0: me a little bit, right?
3: I don't know. I don't see it, buddy. No? No. I think he looks a little like Fury. What? <laughs> and speaking
0: of which, he is the owner-operator, head trainer of the New England Pro Wrestling Academy, well, as well as the owner-operator, promoter, booker, and main event wrestler of chaotic wrestling (laughs) the permanent host of the wrestling podcast about nothing the firebrand brian fury hi hi now this is coming out after your match with josh briggs in hudson mass yes but this is before we're recording before correct how did you feel the match went
4: (laughs) met all expectations really exceeded i'm sure well uh, at the very least met when are you putting yourself over for the title that's what I want to know.
0: Yeah, who went Who went over on... Uh, <laughs> Cole, Cole Fury, brother. What are
4: you Who went over in Hudson? Who went over? Yeah. I don't know. To be determined. Really? Yeah. They're calling it in there? The, yeah, it's the main event. That's how they do it.
2: <laughs> the oh, yeah, the, the main events. The matches are all
4: predetermined. The main event, you know, uh, those guys, uh. they really duke it out. <laughs> that's what I
3: understand. Uh, <laughs> so, well, uh, I thought it was just championship matches.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> well, we got all the gang here back together again. Malonis is sad he wasn't here last week. Why is that? When I... Uh, Lambasted you. But Roasted Germany.
3: your ass. <laughs> but the, the coals.
0: <laughs> how did you feel the episode went, Brian Malonis? You know, I'll let you know after I listened to it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been out for like, I mean, we're recording on Tuesday. It's been out for 24 hours. I've been a little
4: busy.
0: Yeah, you're been a little busy, huh? Mike Mills was a big fan. He was. He, oh, you got your uh, weekly <laughs> He messaged message. me
4: immediately after listening to it. It was like 10 in the morning. He was like messaging me. Yeah, uh, he was all about it. He's a big supporter of you, anyway. Mike
3: Mike Mills messaged me about uh, the Joey Mercury tweets. Oh, <laughs> I, bet, week, I so. bet he has. Very <laughs> controversial, those tweets. I was just very happy I'm not on the firing list.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I literally just saw the firing list, like, maybe an hour ago before class started today. I don't know. I mean,
3: that, if that's what it is, I guess. <laughs> it's a list with names on it with no context.
0: How, uh, you want to get into this, Brian Malonis? No, or
3: no, not, not especially. No? I mean, I, I think... This fool has had enough uh, publicity at this point. Oh,
0: boy. <laughs> so we did mention last week that you had something to share on the podcast. Before we get to our illustrious guest here, you had some news, right? I do have some news.
3: Okay. I mean, you you said for the time being, I'm a contractor, Ring of Honor wrestler, Mike. But that's, I mean, I mean, it is ultimately true, but uh, I've re-signed for another year. With Ring of Honor? With Ring of Honor. Hey, congratulations. Wow. Thank you. I'm not going to be a free agent. Wow! All right, so. signed, befo- signed before free agency. Yeah, I unlike guess so. Mookie Betts is
4: going to do. Did you give them a hometown discount? Ugh, I don't give hometown discounts.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm uh, very excited, very happy. You know, can Offer still, you
0: couldn't refuse. Yeah,
3: I mean, still can work. Still can work the independents. Actually, can work more. Uh, independence this year. What do you mean by that? Uh, I mean, we were pretty restricted. I was pretty restricted last year as far as like streaming and pay per view and things like that. So I'm now available to do those sorts of bookings. Ooh, so, alright. Yeah, very very excited, but uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm very excited. Um, very fortunate. Uh, so... Uh, no more. All the speculation is all done, Mike. All the tell Dave Meltzer and all the dirt sheets that you report to. <laughs> it's a done deal. The kingpin's not going anywhere. I told you. I mean, I told you that's where I wanted to be. I said it on this podcast. You yelled at me because it took away my negotiating leverage, right? But, <laughs> no, it's where I wanted to be, and I'm and I'm very happy. Uh, monetary windfall. It's none of your business. Oh. What <laughs> What 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 else do you need for the podcast now, Mike?
0: I just, just I wanted to know that you're taken care of. Don't you worry about
3: me. You see where I live now. I do see where you live now. <laughs> your palatial estate. I got the big house on the big side of town. Very <laughs> nice.
0: Congratulations on everything, actually. Thank you. The house, the contract, all that stuff. Thank you. It's very good. Now, so you didn't hear me talking uh, about Kofi Kingston in a podcast that shall not be named last week. <laughs> not on the
3: podcast yet, no.
0: No. So, uh, yeah, Kofi, uh, you're with me in I fury, don't. right, that this guy can take a flying leap? No, why?
3: Why I want to see my friends be successful. The first episode was fantastic. You listened? Yes, of course. I'm a subscriber. And you probably didn't listen to ours. That came out last week. Ours has been out for 24 hours as of this recording. You didn't
0: listen to episode 188? What? <laughs> you didn't listen to episode oh, it's 188? Sunny. No, the one with uh, the factions.
3: Oh, the best of episode. Well, kind of. Because none of us
0: were available. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't listen to that, did you? The reruns. I don't listen to the reruns. He does. Everybody else does, though, right? <laughs> Out there, listening. you listen to the reruns. Right? I'm a little behind
3: on podcasts, Mike. I, I mean, you alluded to it. I mean, in the last, like, three weeks, I have been, I was at Disney World for nine days. Yes. And then it was Thanksgiving, and then I moved and have been settling into a new home. So it's been a busy few weeks, buddy. Here are all these reasons why he's busy.
4: Yeah. What are yours?
0: I got family.
4: Uh-huh. Yeah.
3: You know why he wanted to record tonight, <laughs> right? By the way, why he made time to record tonight? Why was that? Uh, my- Michael and, and his lovely wife and, and and his wonderful child came to my house on Sunday for Michael's birthday party. Nice. Uh, you know, and only because, well, I mean, I would invite I would invite the wife, but you would never just get a social invite like that if it wasn't for the wife and kid.
2: Jeez.
4: Yeah, I, I've given up on him, too. Every time I try to invite him, he you know, just doesn't show up. He's so. 16 months. He's out the loop. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And my son's four, so I it'd be a nice age to play. But
3: he forgot this backpack at my house. Oh, okay. So he needed the backpack back because he's going to be in some hot water. So, <laughs> no, so no. that's why he decided to record on Tuesday night.
0: The week. diaper bag for those. The, mo- are-
3: the easiest scheduling
4: of yeah podcast <laughs> recording i've ever had with mike crockett normally it's not until like late thursday night where he's like hey when you guys want to try to fit this in, in like the next like two days at some point in time
0: <laughs> well we talked over the weekend and you said this is your big weekend you're going to final battle you go into baltimore and philadelphia you're not gonna be around all weekend no i you travel thursday night so we
3: true that's never stopped you from procrastinating before. True. Chaotic show on Friday. The All right. We, we, we've Friday, made our Saturday poor guest, by the way, sit here for like 20 minutes while we're bantering, and he's like going to shoot Ooh. himself here.
0: Okay. Well, uh, BrianMalotis.com, <laughs> let's get that out of the way. You got T-shirts you're selling, yeah. and uh, maybe you'll give a guest a free one as a uh, payment for being here today. Maybe. We'll see about that.
3: St- by the way, it was, it was T-shirts, by the way. The listeners who I owe T-shirts to, it's been crazy. No excuses. I'm going to get those out this week. There'll be a little something extra in there
0: for you as well. Ooh. Yes, and that was from our episode, the ABA episode. Yes, realized I didn't send those out like a complete dirtbag. So. <laughs> They're going out. They're going out. I'm a scumbag. <laughs> also, uh, the WPAN.com is the WPAN.com, our hub, our home base, the official website of the wrestling podcast about nothing. You can subscribe there. You can find the ways to follow us on social media, bios, pictures, all that stuff there Eat. on our... No nudes on our official website, the WPAN.com. Okay, let's bring in our very special guest. He is not only a former chaotic wrestling New England champion, light heavyweight champion, he is a former, I mean, it's a return to prominence, the National Wrestling Alliance, the NWA. It's the only current wrestling you watch. Yes, he is a former NWA, one half of the NWA World Tag Team Champions. And he is your trainer, Brian Malone. It's one of your trainers. He is, uh, we call him dancing. Is he dancing? Is he still dancing? You don't look Am like you're dancing to much now? Is yes. it is okay if I say something? <laughs> <laughs> i to be quiet. You don't look like you're dancing much these days. <laughs> no, this- I can barely
5: walk these days, and I can thank this lovely business. It's Duke Stalton, ladies and gentlemen. Hi. Hi. I know him as Jim Cody. Jim uh, Cody, Kid Delicious. Kid- <laughs> <laughs> Annihilator Seek.
0: <laughs> you're <laughs> Seek, not Destroy?
3: Nope. After all these years, it's been revealed. Yep. Right. <laughs> yep.
0: But I, I just looked on uh, one of the websites, and it says that my caller was Seek, and you were
5: Destroy. There were so many Annihilators. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. 20 bucks if you can end them. You'll never get all of
0: them. Uh, the, <laughs> you, Mike Hollow. Uh, fat pants. <laughs> hey, fat pants. <laughs> <laughs> he was the corporal. <laughs> he was the fine corporal. All right. Duke Stalton, it's wonderful to, to get you out of the
5: house. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here.
0: It's been uh, a long time. We've been trying like for two years to get you on the show. Hey, busy. Did you recognize Michael with all the weight he's gained? <laughs>
5: Oh, it's not <laughs> nice. We all look a little different a couple years ago. It's not nice at all. <laughs> you know, I'll come back, come back to this office. So.
0: You're not spelt either, um, big guy. Yeah, so yeah but I'm getting um, paid not to be
4: spelt. <laughs> <laughs> you re- we're recording here at the New England Pro Wrestling Academy, and yes. you remarked this is
5: your first time walking into the building in like 12 years. 2008, I believe, was for Killer Kowalski's tribute show. Wow. Came down on Brian Tramley for a night to get ready. Wow. I think I almost died that night too. <laughs> 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 last time I stepped foot in here. So, how's it feel being back here? I'm still looking for the check Jamie owes me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh it's boy, it's office somewhere. It's gonna, it's gonna be heat
5: over that one. Was <laughs> <laughs> oh, that out loud? Sorry. <laughs> it's only been 15 years, but. That's
0: okay. So you trained here when this was the Chaotic Training Center, the
5: early 2000s. Yes, yes, it was uh, right around nine one nine eleven, I think. A little after that, I forget the exact date, but Chaotic opened up. There was like yeah, there was like an open house here like a week before like nine yeah. eleven. I remember that. And they had a show the following Friday after 9 11, and it's a little awkward. There's like <laughs> seven people there, but I remember you might have been in the front row actually. I probably was yeah. Yeah. with your big puss in your face.
3: I no, I wasn't even training yet, so I probably was happy at that point. Oh, yeah. I probably had to pay for a ticket still at that point, but
5: yes. There's a video of one of my matches just sitting in the front row. Your reaction does not change the whole time. Big <laughs> puss in your face. Probably because my match sucked, but <laughs> I
2: had no reaction.
3: Uh, there's lots of these videos out there. People remark about these early chaotic shows were... My big fat face is sitting in the front row.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Your arms folded. big fat face, arms folded. (laughs) Jones in for a cigarette. want to go inside and puff it down? Look at me now, Dukes. Look at me now. So, Dukes,
0: uh, you were here training, and what was your first reaction with this big galoot? Brian
5: Malonis walked in the door. I don't remember much, but I do remember Brian had a little attitude in the beginning, a little training attitude. (laughs) Yes. And he really didn't put 100% into it in the beginning. But I believe Mike Hollow got on him and, you know, look at him now. Yeah. You know, I don't think he was probably wasn't ready to go in the ring when you got here, right? You, you weren't expecting? Oh, God, no. No, you were with me my first
3: night. and Yeah. I remember, like, you know, doing bumps or whatever and blowing up so bad. I go in the bathroom and I was the room was, like, spinning. And I was, like, just wondering if like, I could get my money back because
5: yeah. I made a big mistake. Yeah, it's the first thing we do. We, I don't know Brian does this now, but he test you guys out in the beginning. Just take the bumps, see if you come back. That's a lot of the problem. I mean, a lot of guys wouldn't come back yeah you know, it's not what they expected yeah it happens a lot you know you weed them out with physical exercise
4: and different things and run on the ropes and they don't realize how much that hurts you know maybe a couple of bumps that first day but it's like they're like holy smokes like what have i got myself into yeah
5: one thing people don't realize is how bad those ropes hurt because they're not ropes with the cable they, <laughs> yeah you don't realize that those are cable those hurt you wake up the next day with the bruises on your lats and so yeah we did a lot of guys would show up and we never see them again but you came back so congratulations. i did come back. Thanks. So what was it like on your first day, Duke Stalton, when you stepped into Killer Kowalski School in Malden, Massachusetts? Well, it was 1994. Whoa. Yeah, a long time ago. I remember a guy by the name of Jed Scream. I don't know if you remember Jed Scream. (laughs) I do remember Jed Scream. Absolute legend. He had like six inches on Hulk Hogan. He was enormous. I was working out at a gym, and my friend saw this guy in there. Who actually? He never actually paid to go into the gym. He was just so massive. He'd walked in, and start working out. <laughs> he never charged an ounce. He, he was that scary. He's about six eight, six nine, just massive. He looked just like Hulk Hogan. So my friend saw him there one day. He said, "Hey, my buddy wants to be a wrestler." He goes, "Oh yeah, call him up on the phone." So I pick up the phone. Jed screams, "Goes, hey, I heard you want to be a wrestler. You better get your ass down at tomorrow. I'll take you to Kowalski's." Then he hangs the phone up. <laughs> <laughs> so I go down the next day. I drive him to Kowalski's, and you know, I was just starstruck. You know, it was just was guys in the ring that were horrible. I was just like, wow, these guys are great. They were doing, you know, jumping off the top <laughs> rope in that old boxing ring, yeah. which like landing on his floors is brutal. But Jed went in the ring. He beat the crap out of a guy. We got in the car and left. And I went back and signed up.
2: <laughs> so,
5: great times. <laughs> but I was the only new student in Kowalski school for six months. So I just took a beating in the beginning. Oh, yeah, it was, but it was in a boxing ring, so there was no spring or anything.
3: So it was like Mike Hollow there yeah. at this Mike point in
5: Yeah, Mike was there before me. Um, Tim McNady, all those guys. Yeah. You know, Tony Roy. I knew them all from TV. So it's was like, oh my god, these guys—the guys I guys see on TV—they let know they're just like schmucks, like you and me. You know, but you see them up live, like wow. Yeah. Tony Roy, especially—you to see him on TV all the time. Yeah, he's like weekly, weekly. Him and Tim all the time. Brian Walsh. I don't know if you're aware, but
3: Michael is uh, a member of the Roy's Boys. I heard that. You might not want to know.
5: <laughs> it's already out there. His pictures and stuff. <laughs> Tony was a good guy. Good guy. Very easy to work with in the ring. Jet Scream, I, I heard, like, he was just out of jail at that point, wasn't he? Jet Scream got arrested so many times. And <laughs> one time he went into a store and just demanded money and they handed it to him.
4: <laughs> he's in Revere.
5: Oh, so my God. He's walking down Revere Beach and the cops go up to the to the store. They go, What's the guy look like? He goes, It looks just like Hulk Hogan. They go, Oh, we know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> he of course. keep it. <laughs> if you ever get a chance to go back and watch some of his matches, they're not,
2: they're
5: not matches. He just goes in and beats the crap out of everybody. <laughs> I mean, remember the outpatient. Yep. He was booked with him like six months straight. And he walked out of the ring with his nose on the other side of his face. Just He got killed. He just went in and just beat the crap out of him. Nice guy. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> oh, but I didn't know anybody. I thought it was great when he was in the ring with me because that's how I thought he was supposed to work. I mean, he yeah, you rearranged your face of what was supposed to be a work, but he's a great guy. Yeah, he's an awesome guy. <laughs> just, uh, everybody's afraid of him.
3: Dukes, he can't hurt you anymore. You don't have to say that. <laughs> I
5: don't, it's, it's I'm too old. Are you listening, Jedi? <laughs> <laughs> what were your impressions of Killer Kowalski um, he was very soft spoken but he was also very funny um, I can tell you some stories about him a little bit Sure, but you know he just he did it his way and it wasn't like training like we do today or like you do today he basically just got in the ring he showed you the moves but he showed you a lot of shoot moves like how to protect yourself so basically you'd be in the ring you wouldn't call any spots you just legit you know shoot on each other and finally do the finish but he teach all these things like grabbing a guy's armpit and digging your finger into it so the guy can't get up. But he was legit shooting with people.
4: Yeah, I, I never really had too much hands-on training with Walter. But from what I hear, he would kind of still train like it was real almost. Yeah, and he kind of wouldn't smarten people up to a
5: point and kind of just treated it like it was back when he first started. Yeah, he went in there and he showed you the basics and just basic shoot holds. As a matter of fact, he was very, you know, make sure you fight back. So one day, I don't know, I told you the story. I was supposed to work Steven Regal in one of those dojo shows. Yeah. And uh, Walter got word of this. He goes, come here, sit down. He goes, I heard you're going to work Regal. I said, I- I'm supposed to. Yeah, he goes, go in the ring and shoot on him. <laughs> I thought he was working. Man, like, you want me to shoot on Steven Regal? He goes, they'll make him notice you. And they'll want to sign you. I go, Walter, this guy would kill me. He goes, bullshit. Bullshit. You do what I tell you. You go in there, do this move, this, I show you this, this. You do it on Regal, he'll be wow
2: he'll tell the office
5: about you. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought he was working me, but I don't know. Somebody told me, goes, oh, no, he's serious. He wants you to shoot on Steven Regal. <laughs> thank God Regal no-showed that show. It was a dojo show, and I guess he was going through rehab or something, but he ended up, he ended up working at the show. So, I mean, I was just, like, legit scared, because Walter would sit there. I mean, he would have sat in the front row and yelled at me. <laughs> it's the same shoot. story. He did this. We The do- first one of the first dojo shows I ever had was a show on in New Hampshire. And I got in the first match with some kid from England, named, uh, Rodney Blackbeard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Tom Pritchett and Dory Funk set the whole match out. This is what they want to see. These are the, you know. He put me in with them from A to Z. This is what they booked. So I'm out in the ring doing what they're telling me. And Walter's in the front row going,
1: boring,
2: <laughs> boring. Don't
1: just lay there. Get up. Get up,
5: you stupid bastard. You're lying around. And Dory <laughs> Funk laid this match out. And so we do the finish. I go to the back, and Walter goes... That was the shits. (laughs) Next time you do that, grab his leg, rearrange that, do this, just don't lay there. I was like, okay. (laughs) He goes, thank you, that's just what we wanted. (laughs) Walter was just definitely old school. He was something else.
0: Now, you mentioned the outpatient uh, a little while ago. Wasn't he a part of your
5: very first match? Yes, it was a triple threat with me and... Outpatient against Rodney Eastgavin. Yes. Rodney Eastgavin never wrestled another match after that. No in Massachusetts. No in Massachusetts, 1995. Right? You were there for this or something? Yes, I was. Oh, okay. Wow. triple threat. I had no idea what I was doing. The video was just horrendous. And
0: I think it was like the first
5: triple threat Kowalski ever booked. I don't even like- he My didn't first match was a triple threat, and I had no idea what I was doing. Landon, Rich Landon had to tell me what to do. Yeah. You know, it just was complete green. I had no idea what it was doing. My friends were all there. They were all drinking at the bar before. They are all laughing their asses off, I and I'm in mean, there- Scared shit. <laughs> but it went all right. And the outpatient led the match. And <laughs> Good. Can can you imagine... were Kid Delicious. I was Kid Delicious, yes. No, Walter would not let me be Kid Delicious. Maybe I was. He wanted me to be Jim Bowie. He wanted me to come to the ring with a big knife and call me Jim Bowie. Oh, all right. I said, Walter, I really like to be Kid Delicious. He goes, ah, that's the shits. I think I was Kid Delicious. Yeah, you were kid I mean, he's, delicious. Not, he's not wrong. <laughs> oh, I was awful. You know, I got that name from a kid in college because every weekend he'd go out. On Friday night, he goes, my name is now Kid Delicious until Sunday morning. That was his gift. It <laughs> <laughs> so, was no longer Chuck. He was Kid Delicious. I said, that'd be a great wrestling name. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> How long were you Kid Delicious? Not very long. Not very long. I, <laughs> no, it was like maybe a year. And then Freddie Sparta booked us so as the Annihilators. And, you know, from the just Outlaw Cody, he made me do that. And Kid Delicious was gone. Yeah, you were at the Outlaw. You were the Cowboy Jim Cody. Cowboy Jim Cody. Outlaw, the Annihilators, and Duke Dalton from Tony Rumble. You mentioned Freddie Sparta. You've said to me before that he was kind of big influence on you. He's a Larry former WWF referee. Freddie was outstanding. I wish, you know, I told Fat Pants this. He would have been the perfect guy to train him to be a ref. But he was the old school wrestling. We'd go in the ring, and uh, he hated me and Hall in the ring. We were so awful. When he started off the Annihilators, <laughs> he put us together. We were just so bad. I mean, I couldn't even take a back bump, but I don't know, I know what I was doing in the ring. in. Freddie would just go in there. He goes, you guys, uh, you guys suck. He goes, what are you doing in my ring? How did I book you two assholes? Just over- <laughs> this is, he's in the match. He goes, I can't believe how bad you guys are.
0: In the, <laughs> in the middle of that of- <laughs> <match after laughs> wrestling. I was,
5: I was working McNady one night, and I was a heel. He goes, all right, get heat. And I turn around the crowd. I'm yelling at the crowd. He goes, not that way, you asshole. Get it on him. He goes, doesn't want to train you guys at all. He said, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> he just reamed me out. But he was, he learned so much. He put me with so many good, like Brian Walsh you know tim just guys that were fantastic and you just learn from them i mean i was working with guys i didn't belong to be in the ring with but i was lucky enough to get in there
0: now freddie sparta
5: he ran a promotion right was it atlantic it was a wrestling federation or maybe it was, yeah atlantic wrestling federation he had some great shows in the beginning yeah he had all the guys like uh isaac yankum all those guys that come around bundy all those names um he just put us with them so it was great and I mean, the, you'd mentioned the dojo shows, the Funkin' Dojo, which is
0: run by uh, Dory Funk. This is basically people that are unaware of like Pre-developmental system for WWE. This was like the very early developmental system before OVW or anything. Memphis, even before that, they just would uh, train these guys in like a warehouse in Connecticut, and to get them experience, they'd you know have them do these loops on independent shows. The you know run by Freddie
5: Sparta. Was it Freddie Sparta still running their shows? Freddie, yep. He got them in there. Basically, they'd be uh, all these guys. They wanted they wanted them to get some work, but they weren't ready for the big time. Like it was his Edge. Uh, Christian, Kurt Angle's first shows were on there. Just who's who back then. It was just crazy He was on those shows, but you look back at it now. And they weren't signed yet? Or, or, they were was... signed to developmental contracts, but basically they'd work down, like you said, in a warehouse in Connecticut, and they'd drive up here for the weekends and work the shows with us. But they would make them drive back down to Connecticut and drive back up the next case. because Tom Pritchett wanted them to get the, you know used to driving on the road all the time. Wow. So they do a show up at like, uh, Raymond, New Hampshire. They drive back down to Connecticut. They come back up the next day, go to Quincy. Drive back down to Canada, come back up to like Wakefield the next day. So three times in a row because he wanted them to get used to driving. What guys did you work with? He worked with, uh, let's see, the Headbangers many times. Probably one of the nice guys that was in the room, John Tenta, Earthquake. Great guy. Another one Walter wanted me to, you know, have my way with him. Like, right, are you trying to get me killed? This guy's a professional sumo athlete. He's the nicest guy in the world. Toy-fuck again, put the match together, and Walter wants him to try to take his leg down like, i can't take john tenta down <laughs> <laughs> i mean who else you uh, saw all those matt Bloom, those guys prince albert yeah he worked with angle once in a battle royal one of the first matches uh hardy boys were on those shows just a who's who today i remember looking at the hardy boys and mcneedy saying to me these guys are gonna be something else and jeff was in the range of doing flips by himself that's the stuff you weren't really seeing that during that time yeah but uh yeah like in six months you see them on tv yeah, it's really
0: amazing that, you know, you, you're an unsigned guy. You're probably aspirations, of course, to be a WF guy. And you're working like, you know, like you said, Kurt Angle in a battle world. These guys who are the future and you're like a part of this whole thing. Did it feel weird being a part of the whole
5: thing? It was intimidating at first. I mean, but after a while, they were, they were really nice guys. I mean, they, once they saw you, knew you, you were like, they accepted you. I and mean, that's where they found Steve Bradley, actually. I remember doing the show. I think Steve worked with uh, the Bulldozer. Mm-hmm. And Cornette loved him. I think he did, like, a flip outside of the uh, the barricade, and Connecticut was raving about him after. That's how he ended up getting signed, I believe. Yeah. So uh, Steve was in. I think Steve was very instrumental in training Kurt Angle, if I was mistaken. Yeah,
4: they were rummies and everything. They came. Yeah,
5: he did a lot with him. That's what he, he was one of the names that Angle thanked in his, yeah, whole, his Hall of Fame speech. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Steve was a great kid. I mean, we had some good matches together. Funny thing about Steve in the beginning, he didn't know how, what he was doing. He would go 100 miles an hour, do all these flips. But he had asthma, right? Yeah, he had asthma, so big time. So he'd blow up, so it would be time for like our time to shine a little bit. You have to put him in a headlock and just get, let him catch his breath back. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he got his comeback in doing his flips, and the match would be over. But he was like the <laughs> nicest kid in the world. And you know, I saw him like a year later, and it developed, he was just so much better. I mean, he looked the part. He was just he was one of the main guys there, too, he was in Power Pro Wrestling. Oh, yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. Heavyweight champ for a while. Yes. I mean, he was just one guy that should have made it definitely would be Steve Bradley. Today's actually his birthday.
0: Oh, really? Yeah.
5: Well, happy yeah. birthday, Steve, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, he was... A, Outstanding talent.
0: So uh, all these uh, Funkin' Dojo shows, do you ever think that you are on their radar?
5: I was told once when I did TVs that basically they wanted me to get bigger, size-wise. They wouldn't come out and say what they wanted me to do. They said, one of the officials told me, you like what you have, but you don't stand out, basically. you know, I remember Tess walked in for one of his first shows on the dojo, and he just walks in. He's like 6'8", just He's ripped the ripped shreds. Ripped the shreds. He's just like, I'm standing next to him. I'm tiny. Yeah, it just you don't you have to stand out in some special way. I mean, same, it, it kind of opened my eyes a lot to what I have to do. Then we do TVs and you see what how big these guys are backstage. I mean, you guys have all seen it. Just, oh, yeah, You you don't appreciate it till you're there. Back then, especially it was the, the airport test. Like yeah. you know,
4: will people turn their head and look at you at the airport? You know what I mean? And you, and you, you you're a tall and, and a good sized guy, but
5: compared to some of these guys, it's no. like yeah, it's insane. So Pat Patterson, they want to, if they want you to walk in a room, and they want the whole room to look at you. He once said. Uh, Kurt Henning, when you start him as Mr. Perfect, they made him walk through a mall all day trying to get his persona down. He was embarrassed to do it in the beginning, but they just kept making him do it until he's walking around, you know, slapping the gum out of his hand. People would notice him. But he wanted to work in that persona, so they made him walk around a mall until, you know, he developed that. I think I
3: passed the airport test, so it's more like people saying, God, I hope he's not sitting next to me.
0: (laughs) 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 So, uh, 98 was when a lot of these dojo
5: shows took place. Uh... It was like from like 97 through like 99. Yeah. And they'd have more like guys, but the more, it was like Mark Henry was on some of the shows. I uh, remember the kid, uh, Julio De Niro, I forget his name. Yeah. Is? He was on it. A bunch of guys that really didn't make it. Yeah. The first shows we did, with those guys were pretty much everyone in that show made it. Big Edge and all those guys. Yeah. Christian. Um, it was amazing. If you look back at the they tape of the show. just every match from the beginning to the end has somebody who's made it in the business. Pritchard was doing the refereeing with Sergeant Slaughter in the ring, and you know, he was, he's brother Love. Yeah. So it was just like a it was one of the first times I was ever actually starstruck. When I was in the ring. It was me and Hall against the Headbangers, and Slaughter was the ref. Pat Patterson was out there, and Bruce Pritchard was Brother Love, and I was like, holy shit. to when like, <laughs> <and> <laughs> <years laughs> the business. I'm like, wow, these are all the guys that you know. That's wild, uh, especially that early on. Like, couldn't I couldn't imagine getting put in positions like oh. that, like like yeah. that early on in the career. And I remember we going over a match with the Headbangers like, you guys going to remember any of this? You going to remember this? And we forgot everything. Get out there. <laughs> Hollow forgot everything. I forgot everything. And I remember Mike was supposed to feed into something, and he fell down, and the headbangers just, like, looked at each other like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and Mike was so green. We didn't know. I mean, we weren't used to it, but that's how we got better. Yeah. We got lucky. It was, you know. Did you work the headbangers like for like TV at one point too? Yeah, a couple times. Yeah. They <laughs> gave us a ton. Stupid.
0: I was just, I watched one of the matches today. Literally, it was, I mean, it was like more than half the match was
5: you and Knuckles.
0: Yeah, it was on top
5: over them. It was crazy. We did like a 10 minute match. I think we had six or seven minutes, just pretty much did anything I wanted. They let me do it. Yeah. And maybe because we worked them before. But the second time we did it, they ate us up. So I don't know if they got yeah. yelled at or something in the back because we had a match with them, like a couple months later. Mm-hmm. And somehow I think I must have missed a spot. And they kept Knuckles in, and they just did the finish quick, and it was it. Yeah, these are both on YouTube. They're from like Jacked. From I have it written down here, October and December of ninety yeah. nine. Yeah, good laughs. Good
2: <laughs>, laughs. <laughs>
5: you get the one with Michael Hayes doing the commentating. It's classic. He just rails on us the whole time. Really? <laughs> so, what kind of parents name their kids Duke Stalton and Knuckles Nelson?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so nineteen ninety nine is uh, when you met. Or I don't know if that's when you met Tony Rumble, but that's when you started working for Tony Rumble and uh, Century Wrestling Alliance, which became
5: NWA New England, right? Yeah, I, just, I think I might have bumped into him at a gym somewhere, and he just said, you know, come to a good Times next time, we'll put you on the show. That's basically all it was. Yeah. And he just gave me the gimmick, he goes, you're going to be Duke Stalton. I said, okay. He goes, you're going to be from Kansas City, you're going to be a brawler. He all right. And just clicked. Everything went well. You know, he liked me, and he put me with the brotherhood, and... Just basically starting out as a nobody, getting to the, the main faction, just basically overnight. Yeah, had some good times there. I mean, it was only Tony died shortly after that. It was probably like it was only like six months, and he passed away. Yeah, he passed away in November of '99. November. I remember going in there. I think I started in April, and he died in November. Yeah, but he gave it. I mean, he gave us a belt. He gave me a ton of TV deals. You know, he's the reason I got on TV, because Cornette saw us, and he he liked what he saw. He said, "Come to TV the next week." So and we just got booked all the time for TVs. You were part of the Brotherhood, as you said, which is, yeah. I mean, obviously, he
0: saw something in you. He put you in there because that's like those guys basically ran the entire show. And part of the Brotherhood was Knuckles Nelson, who has admitted that he probably had some issues back then and he was tough to deal with. Did you feel like maybe some of his heat would rub off on you? You feel, yes?
5: I like Knuckles. He, you know, he told me a couple years ago he had a rough time and he's changed his life around. You know, hey, we all have our past. But there was a couple of times we did some shows and I was like, holy shit. We did a show in Pennsylvania once and we were working with these two guys and this was supposed to be the Dusty finish. Yeah. You know, they pin us for the belts, but we get the belts back in the locker room. But Tony Rubin was animate that we don't lose the belts out there that we have to walk out with them. Somehow those guys ended up walking out with the belts. Knuckles went in the locker room he's just like, you, you assholes, you're not supposed to leave the belts, you do the whole deal. So it's me, Knuckles, and Trooper Gilmore in their entire locker room staring at us. And Knuckles <laughs> going off, I go, we're going to have to fight our way out of here. We got Trooper with us too. So.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> all set. That's right. We got Trooper. We're good. <laughs> and, uh,
5: luckily, cooler heads prevailed, but I'm just like, yeah, you know, he had a temper back then. But, you know, I know they stiffly, you know, worked tight with a lot of guys. I was telling Brian a story earlier on. It was like uh, one of my first days in there was Frazier, me, and Knuckles. And Trooper Gilmore was walking outside the ring after the match, and one of them just threw a chair, hit him off the side of the head. A full-on metal chair on the back of his head. And Trooper didn't even know it was coming. He just walked past them. I was like, holy shit. (laughs) And he just said in the back of the locker room, you got to keep your head up there. Keep your head up. (laughs) That's That's like, <laughs> keep, your head up. keep your head up keep your head on a swivel you never know what would happen yeah, but yeah, I liked him well, I mean Eric was good Knuckles was you know back then he was different but he seems like a nice guy now he seems like he's got his light. yeah it was,
3: he was at uh, both those guys were actually at a show I did recently and so it was actually fun to uh, I talked to Knuckles more than uh, than Eric Sprazier but I talk,
5: talked to Knuckles for a little bit and it's was good to talk to yeah, yeah. He, he knows his business too I mean Sprazier too Sprazier was on a long time yeah I mean, he was you know, he was like a light heavyweight when he first started yeah, light at IWCCW. Right? And he That's was like, way back, yeah. Now big guy.
3: Yeah, was, is, this like, is this like 90s light heavyweight? Because 90s light heavyweight is like 235. <laughs> Maybe.
5: <laughs> yeah, he was a big kid. Yeah. But when he's in NWA, he was probably like 280, 290, just solid.
0: So you won the NWA World Tag Team Championships Indeed. in 1999 as well. Was there some like dubious. Deal behind this that like it wasn't approved by the National Wrestling Alliance or something. It was you against the public
5: enemy. Something happened. Eric ended up retiring. Public Enemy took the belts off of them and it was like Knuckles and Fuller put over Public Enemy one night. Yeah. So the next night it was me and Knuckles versus Public Enemy again. Yeah. And they put the belts back on us. So I don't know what the deal with that is, but during the summer, the NWA wanted us to lose the belts of somebody. But Tony didn't want us to lose the belts. So basically what he did is he made us lose to... Um, Archangels, right? No, it was uh, the New York guys. It was, oh, New York Posse. New York Posse? New York Posse, yes. We lost the NWA title to the, the New York Posse. We ended up going down to the convention, in uh, the NWA convention. Was Spol- it the 50th anniversary or, yes. or the 51st? 51st. So we ended up technically losing again down there, but Rumble didn't recognize that because he said his guys won the belts back up in Boston. It was just a big disaster, and I think... <laughs> Some kind of rumblings behind. He wasn't happy with the champion they picked, like a heavyweight champion. So mm-hmm. it was a whole disaster back then. Dan Severn and uh, like Gary Steele were of the championship. They and... put it on the Japanese guy. Yeah. and he, he I no... it was Ogawa? I think, yeah, he was a massive Japanese guy. He had no personality. They couldn't agree on it. But they also want to take the belts off of us, and Tony didn't want us to lose the belts. So, you know, then unfortunately after that, he died. So it just never really got rehashed or fixed. I'm not sure what happened, but.
0: But you are on record as a former NWA yes, World Tag yes, Team yes, Champion with yes, Knuckles and Nelson.
5: Yes, indeed. And indeed. apparently
4: lost the title three times. <laughs> we lost it. In, <laughs> one yeah, one yes. reign, yeah. but lost
5: it three times. Yeah, he got pinned once, but lost it three times. So I don't. <laughs> I'm sure you took the pin, right? No, Knuckles always took the pin. Really? He's, he always did for some reason. Oh, he take the pin.
3: The brotherhood right up there with the, the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express is yeah. the great NWA World Tag <laughs> Team Champions yeah. of our time. Not many
5: people know that. No. <laughs> I mean, we, we lost it to, uh, I don't remember the name of the guys. It was the show. Kit Carson and Chris mm-hmm. Germany. Yes. I remember the show. We were the last match. It had to be like a 50-match show. It was like quarter one in the morning. It's beautiful arena. There's like six people left. And we just winged it out there. And I remember the guy giving me a belly to back without telling me he was coming on the floor. Oh. Think, oh. it was glorious. <laughs> I'm like, all right, he's just going to put me down in front. He just threw me over. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> that was the last thing I remember with that match. I remember knuckles getting pinned, and we were back in the hotel room after. <laughs> like, that was nice. We're take liberties. <laughs> I'm putting you over. You're going to do that? Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, so did you travel a lot when you were Not doing really. stuff with we did. Um,
5: went to North Carolina. went to Pittsburgh and... Ohio. We took a road trip with Trooper Gilmore, which is hysterical. <laughs> he travels with Trooper Gilmore a lot. <laughs> we took a ride. He told Knuckles he had a nice car. We go down to Philadelphia, know, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, around there, Ohio. We meet him at his house. and It's like a Ford Fiat. It literally could not fit in it. I sit in the back seat and the whole ride down there, these guys were smoking weed in the front. It was like 6 o'clock in the morning on Friday. I was like contact guy over the George Washington Bridge. I was like stoned. just from, They were laughing their ass off the whole time. And the car ended up breaking down. We had to go to Jiffy Lube and they fixed it for us. And then we had a show that night. I and mean, when Trooper Gilmore got in the show, he's going to work with Curtis Hughes. Oh, yeah. So, oh, boy. Yeah. So, <laughs> we're in the ring. The guy said, hey, can you just you know show our guys some stuff? Because they were brand new. There's some group out of Pittsburgh or something. It was a night that we almost fought the whole place whatever. Yeah. And Troop is in the ring training some of the guys, and somehow he fell off the apron. He just missed it. <laughs> <laughs> he falls on his ankle, and he's, like, rolling around. Out, but he's like, ah! We <laughs> <So, laughs> forget this. You go in the back of the locker room, and he's sitting there with his arm around Hughes. He's got, like, his ice pack in his ankle. He's smoking a cigar. He goes, Hughes, brother, we would have torn the house down tonight. Sorry, brother. <laughs> 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 ice pack in <on> his ankle. <laughs> he fell, out, he fell out outside the ring. He just misstepped. He oh, this is before him. the show. He- he's training the guys in the <laughs> ring. <laughs> <laughs> and He just completely missed the step. He just walked on the apron and fell. That's awesome. Yeah. He's a nice kid, too. He's nice, nice guy.
4: Troopers are still currently wrestling and running shows in the New England area. Oh, good. He is now Crazy Chainsaw Bastard.
3: Oh, wow.
4: Yeah. yeah. I, know, I,
3: hope. I, be- I believe he's going into the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame is next he? year.
5: Wow. I believe so. Are you in there, Dukes? No. He's in the no. Chaotic Hall of Fame, right? In the Chaotic Hall of Fame. I was just looking at the plaques. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah they will get
4: you one of those someday. That's yeah, okay. When's Mike Crockett going <laughs> into the Chaotic Hall of Fame? That's what I want to know. I will never add another person. What? Actually, and, I- Until me, well, right? we haven't done one in years. I was going to ask you, yeah. do you have that anymore? We, ha- ha- we haven't done it in years. I, I think, I, I think me and Tarzan were the last ones to do it, and we did it with
3: uh, We did it just for an angle so we could do Logan's versus Pretty Psycho one more right, time. yeah. <laughs> just is
5: nobody good enough to go into it, or just don't want to bother? I mean,
4: I, I found so, like, it really weird that for a while, Jamie was adding like two people a year, and it was like a- small independent promotion that only been around for like 10, 12 years at the time. And I was like, it's, you're going to run out of people really quickly yeah. at, th- <laughs> at that point
5: in time. Like, I remember the first year you asked me, I, did, I blew him off. I thought I was serious. And the plaque, actually, the one I got the plaque was from the year before. It says right on the, it's got the wrong date because I, I didn't go there the first year. Do you know,
3: he, he, <laughs>
5: <laughs> he argued with me
3: about this, about like, well, no, it's like, you know, like they do in like Madden where it's like they have like the year... The year like the next year, I'm like, what the fuck are you even saying?
0: Like, <laughs> like it's
5: not an achievement for the previous year. Yeah, he, for he didn't.
3: He wasn't even active last year.
5: Yeah, I wasn't like, even there. No. It, was, it was like a 2007 <laughs> plaque, I think I got it in 2009.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's trying to justify it. <laughs>
5: oh, Jamie.
0: Now you did the the dojo shows, of course, but then Rumble, 20 Rumble in 1999. Did shows that were affiliated with the WWE or WWF at the time as well, right? Cornette would- uh Yes, yes. And Kevin Kelly was Kevin involved. Kelly, that's
5: how I got a lot of TV dates from Kevin Kelly and Jim Cornette, but they did some shows in Connecticut, and I remember this specifically. You, you might have been on the show. Cornette, I was on a bunch of them. place was jammed. It was uh, a couple of the WF guys were on it, and I, some of the women from the WF yep. were there. It was a high school It was just packed. Cornette says, "Hey guys, get us around. This is a family show tonight. I don't want any suckets. I don't want you know, kiss this. Or don't, I don't want any crotch chops." So the first match goes up. Was it Jeff Mangels? Yeah. Jeff Mangels wrestles a kid, and the first thing you get somebody goes, he goes, "Suck it!" Just right, right in front of Cornett. <laughs> just instant does the crotch chop and uh, does the, like the Italian salute. Gets to the back. I've never seen someone get yelled at so bad in my life. Cornette went up and down that kid. The whole locker room was just like, holy shit. He goes, Jeff Mangles, can I see you for a minute, please? Who the fuck are you going in my ring? And this I told you was a family show. You weren't supposed to do that. You will never work. A TV date. You'll never get in the WWF. Your career's over. You're an asshole. He just screaming at him. <laughs> God, he goes, next match go up. <laughs> was it you? <laughs> no, we were like after, but I just remember the whole locker room just was just silent. They could probably hear, you know how Kornick gets it going? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. You could probably have heard him in the crowd.
3: You really got going on a recent episode of N.W.A. Power. (laughs) Yeah,
5: yeah, but that was one of those shows, and I don't think Mangles, didn't he break his legs like two weeks later? I don't know if it was two weeks later, but yeah, he he did a dive to the outside of the floor and broke both of his legs. Yeah, that was the last time he worked. He didn't get caught or something, the kid just landed on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, But that was probably the worst I've ever heard anybody berated in my life in a wrestling (laughs) show. You could have heard a pin drop after that.
0: Now on these shows was is that where you encountered Kane or
5: or my Oh, this story huh? yeah. <laughs> yeah this was on a Freddie Sparta show and this was oh right okay in, it was up in Manchester New Hampshire in some high school it was this massive school and and he wasn't Kane at the time he was Isaac Yankem right <laughs> after he got out of the Isaac Yankum, so he's between characters but he's still doing the indies as Isaac Yankum. yeah so I'm in the bathroom this is back you know big massive bathroom I couldn't hear anything I had my head down you know doing my business mind on my business yeah. So I have my head down. All of a sudden, I see this fucking door gets kicked. Boom! Kicks in. I'm on the toilet. Good thing I was on the toilet because I shit my pants. <laughs> I looked up. Isaac Yankov staring at me. He goes, ah! And I went, ah! <laughs> we're both looking at each other. I'm like, hold on I'm like, ah! <laughs> he goes, sorry, man. This is so uncool. And he just politely shuts the door like a, like, a, like a little baby putting in the bed. So I walk out in the, the locker room. He goes, man, that is so uncool. Man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your dump. <laughs> he says... Come here, I'm going to show you some stuff. I'm like, oh, great. You know, I'm pretty new. This is back probably a year into the business. I go, you guys got to show me some moves. Just teach me some psychology. And he taught me how to make paper airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. He goes, oh, he goes, yeah, I got a stepdaughter. I show this all the time. I'm like, What's He's going to put me in a hold. And he just starts making paper airplanes. And I'm like, <laughs> thanks, Isaac Yankum. <laughs> yeah. And interrupts. now he's the mayor. And now he's Kane, mayor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he knows that story. Have
4: you passed those uh, paper airplanes on to anybody? Uh
5: I was still probably still scared from the dump issue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't often get Isaac Yankum in your bathroom kicking the door in. <laughs> he's <laughs> thick. In the- he's a this big, back thick when he was dude. Enormous. This is back, I don't know, but he was, you know, he had the teeth, Yeah, the fro. I just, just standing up. With this guy, he's legit like 6'8", six, 6'9", six, standing over me. I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> your knees are knocking. <laughs> I, might, I literally shit. Whatever I had, me we went out. I was like,
2: Ugh. <laughs> yeah, that was like running out with Kane. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's awesome. So back to these uh, Rumble shows. Did you work with anybody prominent, or is it just uh, you were working with Tony another- Atlas a few times? Tony Atlas. Yeah.
5: Ooh, Hip Toss, Hip Toss, Big Slam. Yeah, it was pretty easy. Tony Atlas, um, Public Enemy a lot. Yeah. They were real nice guys. They told me one night that I wasn't going through a table. A minute into the match, I go through a table. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were they were good guys. Uh, who else? That was pretty much it. Well, I know you did on a, a WWF
0: TV taping in 2001. You worked with Haku. I did. Yes.
5: Yes. I was in attendance for for this at the really? Fleet Center. Yeah. Yes, and I got there and first I was supposed to work with Ron Killings. Okay. So it was good. I go you, know, you know he was going to give me a lot of stuff, which was nice. You know, he sized me up and down and asked me what I could do. And he goes, this is what's going to happen. And Paul Heyman walked over to Tony Grease. So he had a guy there. He wanted him to work with Ron Killian. So he wanted to get him a look. I forget who the guy was, um, but he ended up getting the match with Ron Killian. So yeah. he go, all right, we're going to put you with Haku. Oh, Okay. And Rick Fuller was there. And Rick Fuller says, come here. He goes, he's going to eat you alive. He's going to beat the shit out of you. Thank him. Because you hear about Haku. He's yeah. legit. And he couldn't have been a nicer guy. And I did, I did exactly what he told me. But the funny story there was the Red Sox were there. That was right around 1990, not after, 2000, yeah, 2001. 2001. So it was Trott Nixon, Nomar, Pete Shurik, all those guys. I'm in the back with Steve Bradley, actually, walking past Tim Wakefield. And I thought it was Headbanger Thrash. Cause it kind of looked like him because he had to <laughs> yeah. his hair out. Headbanger Thrasher. So it looked like Tim Wakefield. So Tim Wakefield hey, how you doing? I'm Tim. I'm with Steve. Steve goes, hey, how you doing, Steve? We keep walking. Steve talking. He goes, holy shit, that's Tim Wakefield. I turn around, and I go, you're right. So Steve walks over to him. He goes, Tim, listen, what are you guys doing? You're killing me. I need you guys to win the World Series. <laughs> you guys, he's a huge Red Sox fan. Oh, yeah, I and know. And he just, he went up and down. He goes, you can't keep losing to the Yankees. This is what they lost to him in 99. This was a couple yeah. years later. And the, he, the Red Sox just couldn't beat them. But Steve was, like, pretty much berating Tim Wakefield. <laughs> Tim Wakefield just sitting, he goes, hey, I just came to say, hi, I'm a big fan. Like I love wrestling and all that. End up having the match. And Haku goes beating the shit out of me, he throws me out of the ring. And right in the front row is all the Red Sox. So it was Nomar, Trot Nixon, Shurik. It might have been Brian Dalback, And they're just saying, You got him where you want him. You got him where you want him. Like, just trying to reach over and give me the tag. I'm like, Freaking Red Sox. The boss, Nomar's they're trying to tag me out at <laughs> the garden. So Haku goes in, we do the finish, blah, blah, blah. Ended up losing. But, you know, he couldn't have been a nicer guy. Got in the bag, he gave me a hug, he said, Thank you very much. Now, it was also the same night Vince McMahon walked past me and just gave me a, Ugh.
2: <laughs> that.
5: I was waiting to go out to work with Haku and Vince walked out of the gorilla position you know he's a big intimidating guy he just looks at me just pure disgust in his face he goes Huh. <laughs> walking I'll inside. love wow. yeah, then I go, I'll go fight Haku like, oh.
0: now going to the TV tapes and working for WWF did you ever feel like you were
5: on the verge of something at that time? I think a couple times somebody mentioned it but like that's probably what I was told that I had to put on size Without going into specifics, but yeah, you know, I was getting called pretty regularly. We'd all me Hollow, Tim, Knuckles. We, would you know, Albany. We do the whole loop around here. It was easy money. Yeah, but you know, it's just very intimidating. You guys have all been back there. It's it's a different world back there, especially if you don't you don't know anybody. Right. I'm pretty sure one time Hollow walked in the locker room and he was in Billy Gunn's chair, and Billy Gunn told me, "Get the fuck out of my seat." You know, Bob Holly would just stare at you, but you know, you just kept your mouth shut. They were all pretty nice guys.
3: These days, they didn't even have like the extras locker room. You had to go into like the
5: oh no, you gotta, you know, yeah, you oh, gotta shit. change in the bathroom if you had to. I remember how what can I say in this? Anything, say anything. When the first time I ever walked in the locker room, a WF locker room, there was a security guard back then, it was a big, muscular guy. He got caught like staring at the women's locker room, he was giving it a grab or something. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you heard this, <laughs> no. no, no, wow. I, I somehow, I don't know if this The guy ended up getting caught doing some kind of lewd act. So I walk in the locker room. The first person sees Bradshaw on a table grabbing his junk, saying the guy's name was like Janos. He goes, hey, I'm Janos. He's grabbing his dick right in front of me. I'm just like, this is the first thing I saw in the locker room. I'm like, wow.
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> Bradshaw, completely naked like Bradshaw grabbing. I'm like, this is. Yeah. Just like walked right out and went to the bathroom. Yeah. Just kind of like dressed and just stayed to myself. And he saw a lot of messed up stuff back there. It's just a weird place back there. I mean, the hoes used to walk around, and smell the pros, you know, the uh, pros, not the pros- <laughs> Godfather's uh, ladies. Yeah, it, it's just it's a whole different world back there back then. They say it's changed, right, Brian Maloney? Was- uh, it's
3: been a minute since I've been there, but it was not the Wild West. Like it wasn't, yeah. But like if you wouldn't just
5: walk seeing JBL giving it a grab. That wouldn't happen nowadays. No. This was before the, the phones and all that and social media. This was like. A, White room was starting to escalate, so I mean, you've been back there, Brian. You know, it's, yeah, it's
4: just, no, definitely. I used to hear stories from Mcnini about back
5: then. He used to tell me all kinds of different things. Like, oh yeah, X Pac would be stoned out of his mind, and yeah, I just remember one of the headbangers talking to me when I think he was half in the rapper. He, was, he, was, he wasn't <laughs> working that night, but he was just just had surgery or something. He seemed like he was out of it. It was just a different place. The hose was funny though. He just walked on, you can just smell them coming and leaving. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Dude, she's wow. always hoping
3: for that match with the Godfather. <laughs> you
5: know what? I thought I had him one night too. I thought <laughs> they were going to put me in with him, but he had somebody. They mentioned these are some of the guys might you might be working with. And one of them was a the Godfather, but it wasn't me. No, I think that was the night I was supposed to work with Big Boss Man. And they bumped me for something else. Blah blah blah. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing about them TV. They, uh, you guys might be able to test this. Sometimes you didn't know until two minutes before you going out there. Like you'd have to do a standby dark match, which was the worst. I had to do one with Jay Gillette. Kid USA. Oh, yeah? Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't tell us if we were doing it. So you just sit there for an hour because they just needed some filler time. Like a tape change or something? Yeah, tape change. You could be a quarter of 11. You'd have to go out and do a match with two nobodies. The fans don't want to see you anymore. They've already seen all the superstars. Yeah. And I mean, that's happened a couple times. They send you out there and you just, you know, nobody cares who you are. I remember sitting in the grill position. People screaming at me, you "Fucking job! You're nothing! You suck!" Blah blah blah. I'm like, "Yeah, but you're paying to see me. <laughs> I'm not say, you're paying to see me lose." Thanks for the money.
3: I think by the end of it, by the time like at least I was going, probably the same for you. It's very different. There's almost like no dark matches ever yeah. anymore. They don't they don't tape any of the preliminary matches, and yeah. it was. I think now it's same way. It's very rare for. Extras to get like TV matches It was almost
4: like overstructured those last couple of times that We were there so like things like that wouldn't happen But Steve used to tell me stories too like He'd be sitting there and they're like we need You to have a three minute match like get out to the ring Now and he wasn't even being like Kind of in gear kind of not in gear like
5: Alright like I got berated by one of the Hebners because I was supposed to work with Tom Sullivan remember Tom Sullivan Thomas Sullivan yeah So we're in Springfield and You know it's like halfway through the night They asked girl we're done they don't need us Somebody yelled, dark match, dark match. Now we need you. Where's the dark match? One of the headness saw Tom. He says, you're supposed to be in that fucking ring right now with your partner. We need you. You're never going to work. I don't know who told you to get dressed. And I just like walked behind him and went to the locker room. Yeah. And Tom just got paraded because we just left. We didn't know, but you were supposed to stay there until they told you can go. So we are not going to use this us night. And went in change, came back out and that's when they called our match. So we blew that one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, oh You've been standing there watching a lot of people getting berated uh, all over your I, career. I, I, I,
5: yeah, it's a Walter. I don't know if I did a story about Bo Douglas. It's a kind of funny story. No, There's four or five times where people getting berated that was funny. The Cornet thing was scary. Walters was funny because it was, we did a show when Walter used to have a sound system. Yeah, and he put the sound system on a table outside the ring, right outside the ring, and he would tell the guys, "Don't throw do any on my goddamn sound system. Don't do it." So Bo's work with Rick Fuller. So what does Rick Fuller do? He throws Bo over the top rope. Bo's foot goes through the table. Walter's sound system crashes down. So I get this on tape. Walter goes over, he looks down the table, looks up, you just see fury in his face. Pissed <laughs> off, he goes back to the locker room. Hey him. Bo Douglas! Where's Bo Douglas? Rick Fuller. <laughs> Rick Fuller knew what was gonna happen, so he worked in the bathroom, he was hiding. So Bo Bow just bro was green. He's just sitting there. He's getting, he's on the floor changing. Walter went over and started getting work kicks. He goes, you stupid bastard. That's my sound system. You're going to pay for it. God damn it. He's trying to kick him. Like, work kick him? And I, was like, I was like, trying not to laugh at him, but you couldn't. You couldn't help it. Walter was just, he's, Bo's just like scared shit. He's he never going to work again. Yeah, probably not. i forget about like a week later. <laughs> Go Wally. <laughs> Wally. This is, another, this is one, it's a little dirty Wally story. It's one Go of my favorite all time Walter stories is, Nothing to do with wrestling whatsoever. You know, he's a vegetarian. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, outside the school, there was an Italian place. You might remember this out across from the school. Yeah. And we used to go there after and eat. So, mm-hmm. one day, me and Walter and a couple others, Mike, might have been Mike, we go across there. He sits down. The waitress comes. She has to be like 18 years old. She's like a kid. And she goes, Hi, my name's like, uh, I don't know, Jesse. I'll be your waitress. He goes, Jesse, my name's Walter Kowalski. I need you to know something. I'm a vegetarian. She goes, Okay. He goes, You know what that means? She goes, You don't eat meat. He goes, No, but I do eat pussy. (laughs) (laughs) That was a standard (laughs) Kowalski joke. (laughs) But I do eat pussy. This girl's like (laughs) eighteen. I spit my water She just laughed it off. But it's like you you can't do that nowadays. But no, 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 no. no. (laughs) That was my Walter story.
0: So, most of your earlier career, you were like, you know. Jim Cody, you are a tough cowboy, a tough hombre, then you were Duke Stalton, uh, you know, the guy from Kansas City who's kicking ass, then you come to Chaotic Wrestling, and
5: you become dancing, Duke Stalton. How does this come about? Uh, well, Randy Miller started playing a rib on me playing the Dancing Queen music. Yeah. For some reason, they were playing a, I don't know why he was doing it, because I was- so
0: you right. weren't in on it?
5: No. No. They were playing, he was messing around with me. Yeah. So- it was a Britney that ran, yeah. And so I just said that we're gonna have to, you know, screw it. We'll just go along with the gimmick. So I ended up buying like that golden headdress thing, yeah. And Ronnie D had the robe, with the big gold. I think Fat Pants has it now. I think he does. Yeah. So that's how it escalated. It's all it became down. to. I said, like, "I'm gonna make this as dumb as I possibly can make it." And it was stupid. It was kind of embarrassing. Now it's funny now where I work. I work at a college. That tape got out recently at my school. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's the fir- If you go to like YouTube, that's the first match of mine that comes up. It's me coming out. It was like, against Maverick Wild and Upton. It's me as dancing. I think New you have Joe. Rich Landon
3: I think yes. maybe, to thank for that. Yeah,
5: I saw the. Could you put something better up? Maybe put the WWF stuff first. Not my. <laughs> embarrassing. So now the whole school knows this. Even the president of my college knows this, and he's a huge wrestling fan, which I didn't know. So that kind of worked out, but it's the first thing you see is Dancing Duke Stalton, so that kind of backfired.
0: <laughs> so you were uh, a little embarrassed doing this thing at the
5: beginning. You just kind of. I didn't even care. I, I did. Yeah, but you know they said you just go with it, make them notice you. I said screw it. It's something I've never done like this. I just play with it a little bit, and it was fun at first. But then you can't can go anywhere else with it. So you know. you're saying you weren't conceived in the bowels of Studio 54? I've never even been to Studio 54. <laughs> yeah, you know the cat has come back with me and Tim as a local legends after, but I always could never shake the Duke's stall and dancing gimmick. So it'll always be there. That's the one thing my kids are gonna see the videos. That's, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, kids, you probably gonna get teased at school now. Because I many. mean, <laughs> can we
3: reveal on this podcast one of your final gimmicks? I mean, the world wants to has been asking for years who. La Cannonball is.
5: Oh, yes. oh my goodness. <laughs> Flying Kia's not <laughs> <laughs> That was a finish. Yeah. Can- yeah, you were La Cannonball. Cannonball, huh? I wrestled uh, Kofi. It was <laughs> Cannonball. I remember we, we, we had a match and I came out handing out candy. That candy. was in Norwood, right? In Norwood. With the site of your first match, the yes. same building. Yes. So I wrestled Kofi. We did a battle roll later on that night. I had nothing to give the kids, so I started handing out like ketchup packets. <laughs> and they all went crazy. God, look at what I the? <laughs> the thinking they're getting candy. They're getting ketchup from the kitchen. <laughs> that is awesome. And yeah, I remember working Kofi, and he put me over in the battle roll. And you guys came out, and ripped my mask off. You and Johnny. <laughs> oh, we did. Oh, yeah. oh wow. Yeah, you and Ivar. Yeah, you and Ivar. Thanks. <laughs> When you trainers, you help. Thank you. That's how you thank me. <laughs> Rip my mask off to ruin the crowd. <laughs> yep, so much for the cannonball. <laughs> He's done. <laughs> so
0: speaking of Ivar, a lot of guys have come through this building when it was the chaotic Training Center, when you were training here.
5: Like, what do you think of the, the guys that moved on, like Kofi and Ivar? Yeah, Kofi, Ivar, um, Kingpin. I just you get out of it when you put into it. These guys worked their ass off. You know, Johnny, God bless him. You know, you guys know him better than I do. He just worked his ass off. Yeah, know, for a long time. Shoulders up and... You know, his first time he was here, he, he came in with a, the a mirror. Remember that? That was yeah, his gimmick? Yes. He came with the, he's supposed to be Handsome Johnny ended up dropping the mirror on the ring by accident. Yeah. So, so, so I s- was
4: I was at that show. Myself and Tarzan Taylor went to a category, and Nicky Rocks is with us as well. We went to a category wrestling show. Our first time ever going. And um, you wrestled in the opening match. And I remember this because. Jobbing out in the opening matches. Because you, yeah. you saw Tarzan Taylor and you said something to him. And Tarzan go, holy crap! I can't believe Dukes remembers me. And I think I only met him once, like four years ago or something like that. And then that was the same night that Todd broke his mirror. Yeah. Billy Kryptonite hit Vince Vicala with the beach chair over his head, and Vicala no sold it and stuff. So it was like, it was, <laughs> it was like, yeah, the things you
5: remember, huh? Yeah, it was like Vicala's a the history of that stuff, doesn't yeah, it he? Dukes' history, no selling Goldberg. is no. <laughs> <laughs> He weighs about fifty pounds, and he no sells. Yeah. <laughs> and that we uh, love Vince though. Yeah, I remember that he dropped his mirror, and he get like seven years of bad luck, and he. He went with a gimmick. He ended up, you know, going well. He played it
3: off perfectly in, oh, the, yeah. in the moment.
5: Oh yeah, he, he sold it. He dropped the mirror. He sold it like it was supposed to happen. But
3: well, yeah. I don't know if it's he sold it so much as like he was legitimately upset and concerned because at that point he had no money and he just had spent like ten dollars <laughs> on, on this that was his
2: paycheck <laughs> right there <Yeah. laughs> on this mirror. Yeah. Look at him. He's
0: on Monday Night Raw. That's great. But going back to you for a second, in that building, that's also where you. Chased John Cena out of the yes. building, right? Yes.
5: Jamie's <laughs> still mad at me to this day about that. He brings it up all the time. <laughs> it's sort
3: of like John Cena, like came to like watch a show, was yep. sitting like front so row. <laughs> it was the
5: intermission. In I was working. I, maybe Ken Doan. It doesn't matter. Yep. Ken Phoenix. Yeah. It sparkles. She was coming out with maybe I don't remember. Whatever. It was the three of us, and so John Cena actually paid to get in. And Jamie says, "All right, guys, John Cena's here. We don't want any reference to him. He just wants to watch the show. Pretend he's not there." And so Sprockers was like getting all giddy. I said, "Just relax." So like, <laughs> pretend like you couldn't see him. Yeah, exactly. You can't oh, okay. see him. Wow, good play, Brian. <laughs> so we go out there, and I like to bust Jamie's balls a lot. So the first thing I go over to Cena, I go, "Hey, you can't see me!" Like that, right to John Cena. <laughs> he gets up and walks out. <laughs> because people going over to bother him. Yeah. <laughs> so he was literally there ten minutes.
3: I think. <laughs> to be fucking fair, what a, what a completely unreasonable expectation by John Cena. Hey, I'm. Um, uh, WWF wrestler on TV every week, and I'm going to go sit at it in the front row of an indie show. And these wrestling fans who watch me every week aren't going to notice me. He didn't
5: say anything. Jamie didn't want him to be bothered because I think he's just so happy he was at the show. Right. But I know what you're saying. I mean, it, it's John Cena. Yeah. It's not like, you know, some jobbers' wife. It's like the, one of the big names. This is right when he started out, but he was on TV then. And I just remember getting up and leaving. Jamie's like, you suck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so as a trainer, who's the biggest, uh, Miss someone that you thought was going to make it, and why is it George Caesar the woman pleaser?
5: That's not George. I think the guy I am uh, I always thought Brian Black. Yeah, you know, but I think he had a raw deal when he was there. I thought he had it.
0: Yeah, he was Palmer Cannon, the yeah. U-
5: executive for UPN, which was like a short-lived thing. Yeah, yeah, he kind of JBL. I think had issues with him, and yeah, know, there's just, something there. Yeah. yeah, something happened in the back background, and he just ended up leaving in the middle of a tour because they were giving him business, and you know, I thought he had a lot of potential. Brian of course but he's still doing it so I can't say he doesn't have potential um it's fully realized now Brian <laughs> people't surprise me it was Chad got signed because I you know he, he first came in he couldn't even tie his boots Billy <laughs> Kryptonite yeah and he's a fucking lunatic yeah and he's just yeah and I never thought he would but he again broke his ass and got signed you know but well, he's how, just, how do you feel about the Amish it factor though the <laughs> Amish what
3: the Amish It Factor? Do you not know about the Amish It Factor? Oh, we're going to have to talk about the Amish It Factor. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll show
0: you a couple of videos.
4: Also you known know. as Am I Shit Factor. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that afterwards. So <laughs> how did you transition into becoming a trainer here at the CTC?
5: Yeah, Hollow asked me to help him out. Basically, we were at Walter's, and the story behind that is Mike tried for a long time to get Walter to get into the you know the year 2000 business-wise, because Walter was under the table, took cash only, no insurance. And Hollow's like, we got to protect ourselves, because Mike was helping Walter out. Yeah. So he said, Walter, you know, he met Jamie and J- and andy, they had a good business plan, you know, they had this building. I think he want, Mike wanted he got to get out of Malden too, just to make it bring it into you know up to date. And Walter didn't want to leave. So Mike asked me, he says, I'm gonna go up to the school, will you come with me and help me? You just you know help me train the guys. They can't say no to him. I said, Yeah, sure. So that's how I started.
3: Wait, but <laughs> New England indie legend is that Mike Hollow stole Walter's school students no, and poached him. No,
5: that's not true, you mean? Exactly what? what? He went to every student, he says, <laughs> I'm leaving. You can come with me, you can stay here, I'm not, you don't have to go. Some guys didn't go. I know specifically certain guys didn't go. You didn't have to come up here. And he tried everything to get Walter to join up here. He wanted, he didn't want to leave Walter, but he was, he was afraid liability wise. I mean, you can probably attest to it. Somebody gets hurt in the ring. Walter had no insurance. He had nothing. Mike wanted to make it a legit business. He wanted to have credit cards. You know, some people can't pay cash. Yeah. Mike wanted to have use credit cards. So if you want wanted to join, you could. He just had, he wanted to dot all the, you know, make everything legit. Walter was just old school. That's basically how I got into it. Mike asked me, "Is me and Boston brawler?" And you know, Mike would do the uh, intermediates. I mean, the advanced. I just work with the new guys for the most part, show them around. That's where I think I met you. It is. It is, is indeed. But quite a crew coming in at the beginning. Like, let me ask you, Brian. When you can you tell when you see somebody walking into it whether they're going to be able to do this or not? Uh,
4: yeah, it's hard because sometimes I think so, and then they're out of here, and then other times, you know, you get surprised. You know, uh, I think. Um, I've kind of learned to not necessarily judge right away as much as I used to. I think I'll give it like a couple of weeks and then I can tell you like yes or no. Uh, but I used to try to do it all the time right away.
5: Yeah. Jamie used to have the Saturday morning class and it was like a special needs class. here. He, <laughs> I understood why he did it because you have to get money into the building. Mm-hmm. So I would get stuck training these guys and I 99.9% of the time I knew they weren't going to make it because they just, no athletic ability, they were fans, they were marks who wanted to try the business. It's always, yeah, and it's hard because, you know,
4: right now we run class like four times a week and you see people come in like one out of the four days. And, or this, and I'm like, when well, I want to be a wrestler, man, I was there all, all four days because oh, yeah. I wanted to be there. I wanted to get in the ring. I wanted to get better. I wanted to learn. And I, you, you can just see it in some of the people and, you know, you kind of learn, well, okay, still, I'm not going to not train. You. I'll show you stuff, but at the same time,
5: you don't waste my time. Yeah,
4: I know what I'm going to get out of you or not get out of you.
5: Yeah. I remember that too. My first year in Walter School. That's all I, I loved it. I got hurt, bad. Even I got hurt. I went to every class. You just picked up stuff, write stuff down in your notebook. You learn from it. You know, but you just you gotta really want to do this. You know, you guys living proof of it that this isn't just for somebody to try to half ass on the weekends. You can't. Yeah. You won't make it. So. I know I'm butting into Crockett's deal here course, but I asked no. this,
4: by asking some questions. Because you and I, our paths never, ever crossed while you were active. But like your former tag team partner, Tim McNeely came up and wrestled for Steve. You know, Vicalo came up and wrestled for Steve and stuff. Was that ever an option for you? Was that ever approached or anything along those lines?
5: We went to a show once. Um, you went to Fat Pants, I, think. I took Fat Pants to meet Steve one time. Steve's in the back and he said, this is right when I was working with Chaotic. He goes, yeah, anytime you want to work, call me up. You know, we'd love to have you in the show. You're a good hand. And I was with Chaotic at the time, so I know they were kind of buttonheads a little mm-hmm. bit. So I yeah. kind of never followed up with it. But yeah, I had the, the WFA shows were supposed to be fantastic. I used to watch them. Tim told me about them. Vacal used to tell me about them. Um, I, Steve was great. Like I said, i not a bad word ever to say about the kid. You know, I always got along well with him. Um, we had a couple good matches together. I think we had one of them. Yeah.
3: The uh, first time I ever saw you it was at St. Cecilia's Hall yeah, in, yeah, Manchester. in Manchester, New Hampshire. We
5: did a Texas-Seelian C- 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 stretcher
3: match. Sailor C- stretcher match <laughs> with
5: Steve. And I remember <laughs> I was supposed to put him through a table and it didn't break, perfect. And so he said, "Powerbomb me through the table." I'm like, "You sure?" He goes, "Powerbomb." All right, so I powerbombed him through the table, but it had to be like the stiffest bump I've ever seen anybody take. <laughs> it felt, it was just off oh, but I slammed the toward hard so it would break. <laughs> but no, yeah, he was—he's great. Though. This is how different the business is now. You remember the—you probably don't remember the first spot of that match was.
3: I don't remember a second of the match. Just, that's great. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I was like probably like 13, 14 years old. So it's supposed to be a blow-off match. So yeah. the first thing we do, Steve called a spot. We have metal chairs. We start whacking each other with metal chairs. Very first spot of the match. He runs in the ring. I hit him over the head with a chair. He gets up. He hits me over the head with a chair. That's all we did for like three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine doing that now. Perfect. And my father was in the crowd that night. He goes, please tell me those are plastic chairs. I said, oh, no. He goes. Are you stupid? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I goes, oh, metal. She goes. Why? He goes. Can you wear a helmet next time? I go. You don't really get this. Business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You mean people knew way back then that that getting hit
0: on the head with a chair was bad for you? Headshots
3: head are not. They're literally not allowed now. Even like in Ring of Honor, like the head chair shots to the head are just not yeah. well, not allowed. Because it, co- you're not
5: supposed to do that. I, I'll, I'll <laughs> oh, tell you yeah. what, though.
4: I'll take a chair shot to the head over a chair shot to the back. I, I, we, <laughs> Every day of the week. We've talked about this before. I'd much rather take one to the head than the back any really? day, any day. It hurts way less. Oh, it's look. like jumping out of like a fifth floor window doing a backflop into a pool that's what that's what you hit in the back with the chair yeah, feels, it feels like. like
3: it feels like imagine somebody has a hand the size of like your back and just slaps you as hard <laughs> as they get in the back
4: it's devastating i can put my hands up for a chair shot put my arms up for a chair shot to the head and stuff that's fine you can't you have to, have to take every, it. every time miserable. there's
3: spots called we're like <laughs> like i have to take multiple of those fuckers like even in real Honor with TK Ryan, he gave me a few. And like, I turned. I took him on the shoulder <laughs> instead. I was done after one, though. I was like,
5: nope, nope. I, I guess it's, it sucks. You can't see it coming most of the time. If you're, like, your head's down, yeah, like, you can't know when it's going to hit you. No, That's, it sucks. Yeah, no. It's, Detest it. No. Okay, well, glad I don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, Brian Malonis, uh, you're here with one of your trainers. Why don't you heap some praise on Duke Dalton before we get out of here?
3: What an awkward, what an awkward <laughs> position to put me in <laughs> No I'm just I mean I'm appreciative Of, of everything and um, You know I think it's well documented about You and Mike never gave up on me so it's nice to have People who didn't give up on you Kept fighting for you and uh, What sucked is when you did leave
5: <laughs> You know yeah. like that you know but Yeah it was, uh, I remember yeah. you thanked me Before you got signed first time when you got The ring on you said thank you and you know he sent me a text Thank me so it's great he got out of what he put into it. That's what you got to tell these guys. I'm sure Brian tells us, you're not going to do this half ass and get anywhere. Especially nowadays, with all the competition there is. Yeah, it's you know. it's you know it's
3: there's I mean there's a lot of jobs out there more than there's been in a long time. But yeah. the, you know they're going to go to guys who can offer something who want something. You can't you can't half ass it or quote unquote do it for fun.
0: So what caused you to walk away?
5: Uh, I, ah, yeah, I knew I wasn't going to go anywhere. After a while, What, from chaotic or just in general. In general, yeah, it just gets, gets to be that time. You know, just everything hurts. It yeah. wasn't as fun anymore. I remember I did I actually did a match with Brian once. I filled in, in uh, Maine. Yes. In it's probably like 2003 or four. And he goes to throw me out of the ring. And I, I directed him to throw me somewhere else for some reason. And Arch had worked the match before, and he dumped like Sprite all over his head or something, or water. Yeah. It was all on the outside of the floor. So Brian originally was going to throw me on the other side of the ring. But for some idiotic reason, I said throw me out the other way. Where all the water was. So I went over the top rope, I remember landing on the floor and just completely tearing my knee up. I could remember just feeling the hyperextension. I'm like, you suck. Yeah. Just know why. And he tried to protect me. He was going to throw me the other way, but I told him I'll throw me over there for some reason. I don't know why this day I did that. But it's something like just the combination of injuries and, you know, it's just, you can't take any more bumps after a while. I'm sure, you know, you guys wake yeah. up. Yeah. Vegas wanted me going in the ring tonight and do a bump. I was like, You're yeah, not even. I think he was working. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, the spot or I'm like, No, I have no ambition whatsoever. Even going in, I saw the kid taking arm drags. I'm like, Oof. How much yeah. It hurts. yeah. People, it, it hurts. Everything hurts. <laughs> the ropes hurt. The turnbuckles, they gave us, get a chop out there. They used to be my specialty. <laughs> we used to chop the crap out of the new guys, see if they could take it. That's one of those things, too. Like when you're constantly
4: doing it, your whole body, like, calluses over. And then if you take some time off and you start doing it again, you're like, Whoa.
5: I remember Ted DiBiase said that. He said, Never really heard him when he worked. It's when he stopped working. That's when the pain started coming. Because your body was starting to, you know, show the effects. Mm-hmm. If you do it every night, your body gets used to it. So I mean that's what you know, my knees me to this day. You guys are all we're all on the same boat. You know, I
3: mean, I'm you know, peak of my career right now, baby. Well,
2: yeah. <laughs> How old are you now?
3: Thirty eight. Yeah,
5: Tell me when you're forty eight.
4: <laughs> oh no, I'm a mess now. It's, <laughs> it's <fine. laughs>
5: well, Brian, I'm sure you have injuries and just
4: Oh, yeah, I completely banged up and store And, like, you know, I took two years completely off of in ring stuff. And it was like those first three or four months was the worst. And then you kind of just get back to normal. And then, uh, you know, after here, be, I'm still here all the time, not really bumping around as much as I did. But then it was like, all right, being around the business so much, like, do a match here and there. And, and that's not too bad for me. Right. Um, but I don't think I'd ever be able to do full time stuff again. No. I'd be Devastated.
5: No, I just I remember when I was training guys here too. I just pretty much stopped bumping in the ring. You just I had guys do it for me. I showed this person how to do this. Like when I came back with you that night to Walter's show, we came in to train that night. I remember my first bump I took. I saw a flash. It just comes back to you. You know, I got the wind knocked out. Everybody gets I saw the white. I hadn't seen that. I remember that. I hadn't seen that in a long time. It's, it's your brain getting jarred, basically.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not supposed to throw yourself on the ground. Oh, man, yeah, throw yourself
5: back. I remember doing the match with Tony Roy about the easiest guy to work with. Yeah. I I couldn't even breathe halfway through it. People don't appreciate how hard this stuff is. Even a tag match, I remember my lungs were burning. It did like a ten minute match. My friends were there; they were laughing because they thought I was going to die. Basically,
3: <laughs> it's, it's a different type of cardio. You got a guy who looks like me—a big, big fat guy—and you know, definitely get breathing heavy. But I don't—I never don't really like blow up in the ring. And then you get a guy who's chiseled. It would be funny when like those sorts of guys would walk into school and then 30 seconds you got them blown to bits because it's like just a completely different type of cardio
5: and, right. and like two-thirds of it is just learning how to breathe properly. Right, You got to pick your spots and learn how to breathe. Keep your head straight because you got to remember everything down the road too. Yeah, I just once you're out and you come back, it's hard. Well, I'm feeling fine, guys. <laughs> never, you, I, I've never seen you take a bump ever. Have you ever taken a bump? Of course. No, really. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> On a show?
3: Yeah. No. Why's your voice getting so high?
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's like when you lie and yeah. your voice goes high. Uh, <laughs> no, I think it
2: is. Whatever. It's like
0: Peter Brady. <laughs> Dated reference. <laughs> I did get hit uh, in the back with the chair by Knuckles Nelson without him telling me about it. Ooh. <laughs> wow.
5: It was plastic. Uh, but it, you, know, hey, you don't know what's coming. Yeah. I remember was, Fat pants used to take some good bumps, didn't he? He did. He still does,
0: to be honest. There's a clip out there. I don't know if you've
3: seen it. Of I think I sent it to you and Jamie. Of yeah. Fat pants doing a leapfrog it's, in like the well, Ricky. I the watched Dragon that Stubo. recently. Yeah, bless him. Oh, I was losing my mind watching it live. He he,
5: he sold good. Remember when he was coming in here to training? He, terrible look, obviously. You know, his name's Fat Pants, but <laughs> he, he could work. He, he could sell. He always could sell. I remember, like, take a take a nice bump. Yeah, he always did. Now.
0: uh, I went to WrestlingData.com to look up some information for you, Dukes. (laughs) And and on WrestlingData.com, I don't know if this is uh, what you want for your legacy, but it says, you know, it, it talks about who you trained, and it just lists three names. It says you trained Brian Logan, Matt Logan, and Chad Dick. So, <laughs>
5: quite a legacy <laughs> for Dick's
0: talk. Hey, he got
5: signed. He sure did. Hey, I trained a guy that got signed. There you go. The logos are good. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm proud of that. Yeah. Chad was fine. I mean, he just was different. <laughs> just but he, certainly different.
3: Different. one way. Uh, he walked in way. and
5: Mike said, no, this kid came not tie his shoes, and, but he worked his ass off. <laughs> yeah. He worked his he hair every time he was in the notebooks. He did all the shows. On the loop, but I, I got. St- I worked with him in the beginning. I did shows with him, just yep. tra- training him. And he was a brick shithouse. I remember I gave him. A, <laughs> was in the ring here. I gave him a gut wrench suplex, and he landed wrong. He told me I need to work in that. He got to work on that, coach. And Aaron Stevens reamed him, out. reamed him out for that. He goes, you don't talk to him like that. That's your coach. He goes, Chad, just shut your mouth and learn how to work. No oh, thanks, Aaron.
3: I remember the night Chad won the chaotic title. I was in the locker room doing a battle royal. And he made me read like affirmations with
5: him.
2: <laughs>
5: yeah. Like, oh yeah, he did. A, he had a class here once. was a hollow coach. Do you mind if I say a few words? And I'm like, oh, please let him. Like, please let him talk. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets up in the, he gets in the ring, sits down, he goes, everybody, what is excellence? What does excellence mean to
3: you? I remember that. <laughs> yeah, like, what is excellence? So I'm like, yes.
5: And he goes on this long speech about excellence and attaining excellence. It was like 10 minutes. I was just laughing my ass off, but it was a motivational speech but Chad was. <laughs> There's
3: some great Chad stories you probably can't tell on this podcast as well. <laughs> yeah,
0: we'll, we'll show you the uh, I'm a shit factor in just a second, Dukes. God, but forward to that. Very happy to finally make this happen. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's nice Get coming back
5: to the building. Thank you, Brian, for having me. Oh, thanks for coming. Appreciate it. Thanks for not making me bump either. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: We want your feedback. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode, your thoughts on our discussion with the great Dukes Dalton, and use the hashtag WPAN to interact with us. Or you can call that voicemail line 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. And before we go any further, let's talk about booking the territory, the un- professional wrestling podcast with Mike Mills, Harbody Harper, and Doc Turner. They're producing two podcasts a week. Can you believe it? Sunday's the Smoky Mountain Show. Thursday's is their flagship show where they're talking about Jim Crockett Promotions, the old Saturday Night 605 show. Mike Mills killing it over there, so make sure to go to mikemills.podbean.com. That's uh, how you can hook up with booking the territory. And our vantage point, the retro wrestling podcast with Lil Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. This season they're talking about the best... And worst, entrance themes. I know we've talked about this before, Brian. Yeah, they well, are they copying us? Have you modified? Yes, they are copying us. Have you uh, modified your pick? I know your pick before was Randy Savage's theme. No, it's fantastic. And it actually ranks very high with them as well. It should, it's tremendous. I
3: disagree. Oh, it's because you're a fool.
0: Anyway, go check out our Vantage Point, the retro wrestling podcast, ovppodcast.com. Greetings from Allentown with PW, Peter Winson. He is one single man talking about one single episode of wrestling television and breaking it down like it's never been broke down before. Make sure to subscribe to Greetings from Allentown, and you will be glad you did. Finally, the Rundown Wrestling Network. If you want information about every single episode of wrestling television all week long, go to the Rundown Wrestling Network. They produce a different show for each episode of wrestling television that's out there so make sure to go to rundownwrestling.com for all that goodness it is time for this week's promo about nothing (laughs) but before we get into that you are hitting the highways byways and airways crisscrossing this great nation of ours plying your trade as a professional wrestler brian malonis and you have dates
3: i think i do yeah i mean my my year isn't done yet miraculously michael i'll be returning as part of Club Cam's Uprising, uh-huh. the Millennium Wrestling Federation, December the 28th, Saturday night. Approaching the uh, the, the new year, but I'll be in, at Melrose Memorial Hall on Saturday night, December. I keep wanting to say February. December the 28th, bostonwrestling.com for full tickets and card information. I know like uh, uh, Vicky Guerrero is going to be there. She's also in the Uprising, by the way. Oh, wow. Or yeah, fa- uh, faction mates. Uh, Fly and Brian Jr. is going to be there. Uh, I believe Gerald Briscoe is going to be there. Mark Henry
0: as well, Mark I think.
3: Mark Henry, yeah, lots of big names. So check out the Millennium Wrestling Federation. Uh, then on Saturday night, January the 4th, I'll be heading up to the IWE in Brewer, Maine. I don't know if I have ever wrestled in Brewer, Maine, but it's a long ways away. So, But looking forward to going to IWE for my IWE debut. I don't think I've ever wrestled for this promotion. So it's, if, if, if I have before, it's been a it's a, been a long a, time yes it has so uh happy to be heading up there find uh the iwe on facebook i believe is they have uh, an event page for that i've been sharing it all over my social media so if you're in the area or if you really want to take a far drive hey does anybody want to take a drive with me to <laughs> <Maine>? <laughs> come on up hang out with the kingpin <laughs> wow what are you doing mike
0: uh i don't know mm, <laughs> i'm busy
3: and then January the 11th, I'll be heading to Atlanta, Georgia, now that I'm re-signed with Ring of Honor, Mike. Yes, it's official. <laughs> yes. I'll be heading to Atlanta, Georgia uh, for Ring of Honor's uh, international TV taping, Saturday night at Center Stage, and then the very next night, I'll be heading to Concord, North Carolina uh, also for Ring of Honor, and that those both will stream on Honor Club.
0: All right, that's uh, absolutely tremendous. Congratulations once again on Thank your you. re-signing with Ring of Honor. And uh, big things coming in 2020.
3: Always big things coming, Mike.
0: All right, well, if you want the kingpin, the brawler, you are still the brawler now on your show, email Brian brianmalonis at comcast.net or DM him on Twitter at brianmalonis. And uh, Brian Fury is nowhere to be found. He had to uh, run home because, as you mentioned last week, he has uh, – some part-time work with UPS, and it is that time of year.
3: It it certainly is. Almost there, though.
0: So he has to get his rest. But uh, we will uh, talk about the promo about nothing, Brian, which is from the year 1995. And we're going back south to World Championship Wrestling, WCW, and... The Amish Factor. No, or, no, not, oh. not him. Not oh, him. Okay. We've actually done him, I think. <laughs> we have. But... Uh, This one is one, it's world famous, and I'm 97% sure we haven't done it. We've done something from this group before, but not this promo, I'm pretty sure. It is the faction deemed the worst a couple weeks ago, if you listened to the podcast, episode 188, the worst faction of all time, according to me, the Dungeon of Doom... And this one is when Hulk Hogan finally invades the dungeon. It's this week's promo but nothing.
1: Hurry, my son! Get away from the stove The real white Bengal tiger approaches! The bait has been Hurry! set! Hurry! Hurry! My My father, I smell his presence also! I feel him! Where am I?
5: There's no Hulkamaniacs
1: here! I've never been here before! Not hot. What is this place? I know you. I know you too. You two are behind the demise of Hulkamania. I know about the Zodiac. I know about the dangerous Kamala. And oh yeah. I know about the man eater. The shark, but it's stone, is a legacy, the immortality of Hulkamania. And you too will be buried beneath it. You don't understand, Hogan. This is where darkness dwells and lives. Nobody has ever been able to defeat the immortal. Hulk Hogan, except yourself. You see, Hogan, you're the one that created me. And because of that, it's this simple. Your demise is etched in stone! My power is a million times greater than the power of Hulkamania. I am the greatest giant to ever walk the face of the earth. And I am the one true immortal.
2: well
3: that was something it was uh you know
0: it was special
3: no it wasn't it was fucking stupid it was the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life
0: yeah like Hulk Hogan (laughs) even taking his acting to new depths
3: (laughs) well yeah I, 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 I don't even know how you think like this is even like a like, a good idea. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, you know, I love Hulk Hogan. I'm a Hulkamaniac, Mike.
0: Wow. What's the direction he got? Like, <sighs> he walks in there like, there are no Hulkamaniacs here. How does he even know that?
3: <laughs> He's never been there before. So how does he know there's no Hulkamaniacs there?
0: I don't know. He, and he goes over to the the little stream there. The, the water is dripping down. <laughs> And he touches it and says, I mean, the world famous line, it's not hot. <laughs> still to this day, a, a mystery of life.
3: Yeah, I, I don't. Maybe we'll have Hulk Hogan on this podcast someday to uh, ask him about this promo on The Dungeon of Doom. Oh, I'm sure of
0: it. <laughs> he wasn't asked by uh, Stone Cold when he had him on.
3: <laughs> I, I don't know.
0: About it being not hot?
3: I don't know. This is, this is some of the silliest shit I've ever seen. And we're talking about pro wrestling here, where there has been lots and lots of silly shit over the years. I was like
0: a minute and a half in. I was like, when is this over? And it's still going on. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. And of course, at the end, you heard uh, Paul White, a.k.a. the giant, a.k.a. the big show. He was the centerpiece of the Dungeon of Doom, who's going to end Hulkamania.
3: You and finally did it, Mike. You happy? What's that? You got me to criticize and bash something from Hulk Hogan. Are you happy now? I'm certainly happy. satisfied.
0: Very much so. And uh, yeah, this. Oof. And it did lead to, of course, a, a monster truck off.
3: <laughs> that and then I believe this also led to Hulk Hogan and Randy Sat or is this is this after the triple cage?
0: I I, I think before. Is it? I don't know. I think this is like the introduction of the Dungeon oh, of Doom. So bad. Terrible. Embarrassing. <laughs> Awful. Any more adjectives? No,
3: no. All right. Well I'm at a lust, Mike. <laughs> I've had a lust. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, <laughs> let's get out of here then. Uh We'll be back next week for episode 191 of the wrestling podcast about nothing. So for Brian Fury, for Brian Malonis, I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing.
3: Duke Stalton is with us. Now you know who to blame. (laughs) Well, <laughs> I see what you did there.
0: Uh, also, your promo button, nothing is coming up, and so much more. But first, tell them, George. <laughs> Were
4: you going to say something what about me? You- I was going to say, hey, guys, I'm here too. But-
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll put that out at the end, after the credits.